0: we ask that you to raise a glass as missy and i are celebrating at this very moment that's right the graduation co our, our
1: kiddo Absolutely. we are so proud of him i'm mitch and i'm missy
0: we're co-workers
1: he's the boss and we're married
0: and she's the boss together we host good faith weekly a podcast on faith and culture
1: What could possibly go wrong?
0: Tune in and find out. Missy. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Missy and I have got some exciting life news to update you on. And then later on the pod, we sat down with Sarah Cunningham as Good Faith Media celebrates Pride Month all month long in June. Stay tuned. It's going to be a good pod. There, Missy. Hey there, how are you? I'm doing quite well. And you?
1: Well, Future Me hopes to be doing really well when this episode drops.
0: Oh my goodness, there seems to be a story there. <laughs> so tell us about this future self and why she's going to be doing so well.
1: So we are recording a brief intro a little bit early this time
0: Indeed.
1: because if all goes according to plan, and hang on while I knock on wood and cross all my fingers and toes. <laughs> all of
0: us. Please do so.
1: By the time this episode drops, you and I will be heading to Hanover, New Hampshire for our son's college graduation. Woohoo. Can you hear the cheering in my head?
0: I think I, if you listen carefully, <laughs> you can hear the angels singing.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. It has been quite an interesting four years of his college experience because he... He had exactly one term on campus before Mm -hmm. COVID shut the world down. And so it's just been a four-year process marked with all sorts of stresses and um, angst and and unknowns. But here we are. He has made it. We have hopefully made it and are on Highway 93 right now (laughs) heading from Boston to Hanover. Uh. So um, if all goes according to plans... I'm great!
0: <laughs> How about you? Well, I hope to be celebrating with future you as well, uh, with future me, uh, excited about uh, the graduation of our youngest son. You know, in the class of 23, I mean, they've been through so much these last four years. I hope that all the grads from high school, all the way to college, could really enjoy their graduation because they have accomplished something remarkable.
1: Absolutely. So since we are traveling this week, obviously, um, we decided in honor of Pride Month, To pull a great episode out of the vault.
0: Yes, we did.
1: We are going to replay our episode where we interviewed uh, Sarah Cunningham of Free Mom Hugs.
0: Yes, it's a great interview, and it is Pride Month, as you said. We'll be celebrating Pride Month all month long at Good Faith Media.
1: That's right, and I can tell you from social media, Sarah Cunningham has been celebrating Pride Month since 12.01 12.01 AM on June 1. <laughs> she is out there. I want to get on her social calendar so I can find out where she's going to be tomorrow so we can go. <laughs> That's
0: exactly right. So
1: we are going to replay this episode. I will say um, in the intro, I, it, it's, it's amazing because last week we talked to Andy Watts about an article that he wrote about the right. debt ceiling back in 2011 that is strangely could have been written last week. Sure. And as I listened again to this episode with uh, Sarah to, to make sure it's it's one that we wanted to um, rerun and make sure we didn't need to do any further editing to it, I realized even in our intro it, how just timely yeah. the stories are because we talked about our, um, I don't know if you remember our two Uber drivers mm-hmm. that we had in Austin who were um, both immigrants and about their families. And I feel like so much of, of that is... Absolutely um, apropos today, as it was many months ago when we talked about it. So, we are going to replay this, one of our favorite episodes, and we hope you enjoy it again or for the first time.
0: And just so you know, we ask that you raise a glass as Missy and I are celebrating at this very moment. That's right. The graduation. Co our our star
1: kiddo. Absolutely. We are so proud of so. him.
0: Enjoy the interview with Sarah Cunningham from Free Mom Mugs. Well, hello there, Missy. We are in Kansas City.
1: Okay, but I have a question.
0: Yes, go right ahead.
1: Are we in Kansas or Missouri? Because you stated with authority earlier that we're in Missouri and I'm not confident.
0: We are definitely in Missouri. How do you know? Because I can look out the window and it looks like Missouri. <laughs> I mean, does that look like Kansas to you? No, that's Missouri. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Sure. Somebody can correct us if we're wrong. We're in Kansas City. I honestly have no idea if we're in Missouri or Kansas. Most of the time I don't even know where I am when I wake up in the morning anymore. <laughs> so
0: it's that. been quite the week, hasn't it? I mean we started the week in Austin, Texas. No,
1: we started the week in North in Oklahoma.
0: Well, of course we did. And then we went to Austin, Texas, and now we're in Kansas City. So it's been a full week of uh, being with some incredible people of faith.
1: We um, had a brief layover in Dallas-Fort Worth, you forgot to mention.
0: Yes, we did. It was quite the layover.
1: Right. We had a very long layover in uh, the DFW airport. And so we went to the American Airlines lounge to hang out and work for a bit. And you got up to go to the bathroom. I did. And probably most of our listeners have seen this on social media, but um, you came back from the bathroom and I noticed on your shirt a (laughs) giant...
0: (laughs) oh oh my stain goodness
1: Stain from where you had spilt probably half of your lunch down your shirt. <laughs> it was not half of my lunch
0: it was a <laughs> a rogue piece of taco jumped out of the taco well, itself <laughs>
1: this taco meat was probably 60 40 y'all who go to the grocery store you know what that means so all of the grease
0: was on your shirt it was and uh you know I wore it proudly
1: uh, oh no you didn't i i said no This cannot, you cannot wear this shirt. It was so bad. Uh, So I offered to go back out into the terminal and find you a a replacement shirt, which I thought was going to be an easy task. Turned out, not so much.
0: Yeah, when I started getting texts, when you entered the Emmett Smith store with all Dallas cowboy regalia, I said, no, no way. I
1: giggled when I, the first store I came upon was the Emmett Smith, yes, um, cowboy fan store. So I sent you a picture and you said... Actually, you didn't say no way. I mean, you bro, you, I may have added. You added an expletive in there, um, so I kept walking and could not find anything. I finally um, happened upon a new part. Uh, no
0: offense to cowboy fans and cowboy lovers who listen to the pod.
1: No, I am a diehard, loyal. I don't know. Yes, you are. I don't know that fan is the right word because I haven't watched them in forever. But it's no. Still...
0: But do we want to talk about the one person that you are? Uh, how shall we say? You told me that you would leave me for?
1: Oh yeah, Roger Saab. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, sure. Since I was 4, <laughs> I was planning to marry him. I don't know when that's going to happen, but someday. 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 Yeah. Anyways, so I finally came across this um, new store in the terminal and I looked to my right and saw it was just a convenience store, but on the wall they had all these t-shirts. And it didn't matter if you had a stain on your shirt or not, you were going to have one of these t-shirts. <laughs> that said what?
0: It said excellent.
1: Excellent. <laughs> So, if you've listened to uh, however many episodes I've been on now, you know that a frequent um, kind of I don't know saying on on this pod is uh, what do we say? Oh,
0: yeah,
1: I love. I'm from. I will always be. But you do not share my um, love and affinity for the Why state. Why would I?
0: I'm from Oklahoma. So,
1: anyways, um, so I went in. I didn't. I went in the store and bought you this uh, Texcellent shirt and just giggled all the way back to the lounge and was so excited to walk in and show you this. And you said, "I'm not wearing that." I said, "Oh yes, you are, because you're not wearing that shirt with the big red grease stain on it." So um, you humored me and went and put on the Texcellent shirt and wore it. Um,
0: not proudly. Not proudly for the rest of the day.
1: Anyways, I didn't mean for that to go on so long, but it was funny.
0: It was funny. We went down to uh, Austin, Texas to participate in the Nevertheless She Preached conference. Uh, it was really wonderful. We heard a lot of wonderful speakers talking about a variety of issues, and it was just it was a great time, great to be out and about. First Baptist Church of Austin, Texas Uh, hosted us and uh, I just I really appreciated what was said down there.
1: So while we were gone while we've been traveling these last three weeks actually many things have happened in the news that we haven't necessarily been able to talk about one just because of the scope of everything that's been going on but also because um, we've just been on the road but one of the stories that um, has been In the news as of late uh, was the stunt that Governor DeSantis pulled when he sent the um, folks to Martha's Vineyard, the uh, immigrants.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, Governor DeSantis from Florida actually paid for a flight out of the state of Texas moving migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts, um, which was a political stunt. And everybody, I think, recognizes that, uh, of course, DeSantis and Abbott and others who agree with this kind of stunt uh, are hailing it as basically owning the libs. But the reality is this is a serious, serious action, uh, so serious that the sheriff of Bear County in San Antonio is investigating it now as a potential crime because it kind of uh it, it kind of you know possibly bumps up against human trafficking uh because he paid to move humans from one point to the other and so it was it was certainly a political stunt uh it was utilizing Migrants who are good people who have come a great distance uh, to try to enter America, uh, seeking asylum, seeking a better way and a better life for their families. It was using them and exploiting them to gain political points with his base, and it was it was just atrocious, to be honest with you.
1: So I don't didn't necessarily bring that up to to talk about the legalities of it. Um, I brought it up because when we travel, we use rideshare apps. Um, and something just hit me so deeply this week as we were traveling. And I, w- I want to tell a couple of stories, and I hope you guys don't mind, but um, of our drivers. And on, I don't know, Monday night, we had a driver, and You know, you're in a car with somebody for 10 minutes. And so you don't have time to really think and process. I am one of these people that gets in and doesn't say a word. You always talk to them.
0: Yeah, but that's just what I do. Yeah, it's just what you do.
1: (laughs) And so we get in the car and in the course of conversation, one of the, the questions you always ask is... Where are you from? No. You don't say that either, because that's not what you say to anyone. You say, where do you call home?
0: Where do you call home? It doesn't matter who it is. You ask that
1: to everyone we encounter. Where do you call home? And it's amazing to me how many times we find connectivity with people, and I'll get to that full circle in a moment. But um, this gentleman on Monday night um, said that he had come from Turkey three years ago. And in the course of conversation, one thing came out you guys know someone in common and i can't tell names now but um someone who's very well known and prominent that you guys had in common but he told this story of coming to our country three years ago in order to avoid arrest in turkey because of political unrest that was happening there and he and his wife were educators there and they came here, and he was telling us a story about his... Um, they had lived somewhere else, but they had moved to Austin because his son had been accepted to UT and is now attending UT. That's the
0: University of Texas. I know everybody in Texas knows that. But for those listeners in Tennessee... Sorry. That is not the University, the University of, of Texas, Tennessee.
1: Or if you're in Aggie, Texas University. <laughs> okay, are we covered now? Yeah, proceed. Okay. Anyways, um, so his son was accepted into UT and is now attending there studying economics. And his son moved here from what I could kind of piece together math wise, <laughs> probably in his sophomore year of high school.
2: Right.
1: But during his sophomore year, b- between that year and his graduating, graduated in the top, you know, few people in his class and is now at the university test. And I'm going to hear you just talking about it. But in hearing his story, and he was just talking about how much he loved being here and how wonderful it was and all these things. But I just, I kept going back to him and kept asking more questions about his son because having had two children recently go to college and knowing what that process is like and getting accepted and being able to go to college, I know that that's that's a huge accomplishment. And so um, this family who came here within three years, their children, and now his daughter's in high school and she's at the top of her class as well. So this is one story. So then the next day we're going to the airport and we have another driver and of course, as you do, you ask him, where do you call home? And he says, he makes, first of all, he makes us guess. Yeah. We have to go through this like,
0: <laughs> we got quizzed.
1: Game. We got quizzed. Of, well, we where failed. is the blah, blah, blah. And so I'm in the back and I had to Google because I'm like, this game is never <laughs> oh, going to yeah. end. We if, totally cheated. If we don't figure out where this man is from. Turns out he's from Nigeria. He came here 30 years ago because of the conditions in his country and he came here thinking he was going to be able to go to college and he said what i didn't know is you know the expense of college in this country so i ended up having to work um at two different nursing homes and he said i worked at these two nursing homes and i slept under a bridge he told us what bridge it was some bridge in austin because he was One of 10 children, he was the oldest in his family, and his father had died. And so he was sending his money back to Nigeria because, of course, in their culture, he was expected to now support his family, and he paid the school fees for all of his siblings. In the course of that time, he was able to begin um, work as a cab driver, and he ended up being able to open up his own taxicab company he um, ended up with 25 employees at one time he went to college he got his degree and during that time he also had a contract uh, with the government and he took elderly Medicare patients um, to and from doctor's appointments he then became um, he or he started working on his master's degree that he wanted to get and had to stop because his son was accepted into medical school. And so he stopped his gra- you know graduate degree in order to help his son pay for and attend medical school, and I assume he's still in it. Um,
0: to which he proudly told us that he had paid for medical school with cash.
1: Yes. Um, so as we're listening to the story, and— And in the course of conversation, it was so, I don't know, incredible to me because you you had asked him, you know, um, what brought him here and all these things. And he he said, and I don't remember how he said it, but he basically said, everything I've done in my life has led me to this moment that I'm able to give you a ride to the airport. And he wasn't really making a joke. He was just, he truly believes that what he's done in his life has led him to this moment, whatever moment that is and as he's telling his story it was incredible and then as i'm hearing you know my phone's dinging with notifications about what's going on in Martha's vineyard and let me be clear i i feel like both sides of a political spectrum are always going to use people as pawns but we forget the people we forget their stories and these two, just these two individuals that we cross paths with in a matter of 24 hours, who are literally the backbone of our country, who their children are here and are going to become the economists and the doctors and, you know, the social, how many kids on those planes to Martha's Vineyard who are being used and exploited are going to be your healthcare workers someday who are going to be the social workers, who are going to be the attorneys, or who are going to be the service you know, industry that are helping to make this country run. And we continue, and I, we as a global term, to use people and to discard them and to not see them and not hear them.
0: I couldn't say any better. I mean, the stories you just told were challenging to both of us, but they were inspirational to both of us. The two gentlemen, you know, are just incredible human beings, and we were reminded through that connection of our common humanity. And a lot of times in society, we neglect that humanity, or we deny that humanity, or we don't even ask about an individual's story. And to me, that is one of the saddest commentaries on where we are as a society is that we forget that these individuals that are immigrants who find themselves at the border, who are fleeing persecution in other countries such as Turkey or Nigeria, that they are flesh and blood god loves them god sees them as not only as beloved children but as the least of these in order to put them at the first of the line in our culture and unfortunately the church in my opinion has failed in that that um, challenge given to us by god so these stories were incredible. They touched you and I in just deep ways. You know, two things as you were telling those stories that I'm reminded about. People often ask me why I read as much as I do, why do I keep up with current affairs as much as I do. And yes, it is to stay informed, but it's also when I find myself in this global community that we are in, in this melting pot that we call America. That when somebody from Turkey or somebody from Nigeria steps into my presence that I can engage them and talk to them about issues that are meaningful to them and when we talked about the situation in Turkey, we talked about the commonality that we had in Western Africa Both of those individuals lit up, and they opened up and shared their stories with us, which may be the most important question that we ask any human being. Tell me your story. Right. And so I was just reminded that uh, this week, and, you know, we're hearing stories here at Space for Grace here in Kansas City, which is a great event. Uh, Please uh, follow us on social media. We're telling those stories, taking photos. But uh, speaking of stories, Missy, you and I got to sit down with an incredible human being this week and talk about an incredible story.
1: We did. Um, And this was basically by my urging, um, Sarah Cunningham, one of my mom heroes, um, a fierce um, fighter for, for justice and for equal rights and for recognition and for acceptance and affirmation and love for the LGBTQIA community through her story with her son um agreed to sit down and talk to us um for those who may not recognize her name sarah is the person who went viral after i believe a tweet that went out where she told any lgbtqia individual that um if they needed someone to come and stand in with them during their wedding that she would be there and um that post went viral and she um has since become very well known. She'd been an advocate before that and um, with her free mom hugs, but through that and through her, just like we were talking about earlier, through her insistence that every human being be seen and be heard and be valued and be loved and recognized, um, she's making great changes in the world for these communities. And, and she tells stories of of people who... I just read a story of someone she met at a pride parade who she gave a hug to and said, I hadn't been hugged by my mom in four years. Wow. That's not okay.
0: It's not okay. Well, it is an incredible interview. Thank you for encouraging us uh, to talk to Sarah. And uh, we'll be right back with Sarah Cunningham, founder of Free Mom Hugs. Have the last few years shifted your faith? I'm Brett Harris, and last year, I walked away from the pulpit without a plan. I just knew where I was wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I'd love for you to join me as I wander and wonder about faith and scripture and how we can continue to follow Jesus' example even when our path forward is unclear. Find God Knows Where today in your favorite podcast app. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a fellow Okie with us here on the pod this week. Sarah Cunningham is author, activist, and founder of the nonprofit organization Free Mom Hugs. She began her journey of becoming an advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community through her relationship with her gay son. Her experience resulted in her book, How We Sleep at Night, which tells of her path from the church to the pride parade. She founded Free Mom Hugs in 2014, and it has since become a global movement. Sarah goes beyond the hug to educate and advocate organizations of all types, including schools and businesses striving for safe and protected spaces. Their website is freemomhugs.org. Sarah, welcome to Good Faith Weekly.
2: Thank you, Mitch. Glad to be here.
1: So Sarah, you have such an inspiring story, and I will um, remind you that we met to almost two and a half years ago, just before COVID um, changed our lives forever. We held an event in our home and you came and were so gracious to speak to us. And I just, I felt so inspired by you. I, in fact, right at the beginning of the pandemic where we couldn't go anywhere, I sat on my couch and read your book in one day and, and loved it. And I thank you for sharing that with us. But for our listeners, will you just share a little bit of your parenting journey with Parker?
2: My parenting relationship with Parker has been a hot mess. I uh, on his journey of coming out his entire life uh, to me, I didn't take the news very well. I manipulated our conversations. I didn't allow him a space to show me who he is and or even the vocabulary to have that conversation. So in doing that, I missed an entire adolescence of his life with the very best of intentions. You see, I grew up uh, with an evangelical, conservative uh, mindset that absorbed the idea that homosexuality is wrong. Mm-hmm. And if I accepted that to any degree, it made me just as much of a sinner. Mm-hmm. And so navigating through that was very difficult. And then when he took a stand as a gay man, being 21, it was devastating. And I had to reexamine everything that I believed. So I, I spent the most of our my parenting uh, skills in the land of fear and ignorance really. was
1: there a particular moment that stands out to you that was an aha moment um in his I know in the book you talk about how he had introduced these conversations and like you said you would kind of steered or avoided um what was the moment that that changed that
2: The moment that changed that, it was one evening. I was folding laundry in the living room, and he and I were the only ones awake. Everybody else had just gone to bed. And he came into the living room, and he sat down beside me, and he said, Mom, i I got to tell you, I think I'm gay. And I just shamed him with the very best of intentions, and I just lit into him. And I said, You know, everybody at your school thinks they're gay. Mm-hmm. And if you think you know so much about, you know, this area, then I almost I almost kicked him out mm-hmm. of my house. Mm-hmm. Like I came just this far, inches away from saying, you know, you think you know so much, well then go stay with your gay friends.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And that was the night that I realized that I have great potential to just c- completely alienate my son and lose him, and and neither one of us slept that night. I (laughs) bet. It was devastating. such
1: a statement to um, kind of, I grew up in Texas, but very similar culture of just how deep that um, religious kind of doctrine or dogma gets into your bones where you can't even conceptualize, this is my child who I love and will accept no matter what. I, I can put myself in that on that couch with that laundry doing the very same thing and and i think also as parents we we just don't want our kids to experience anything that's going to cause difficulty for them you know we want them to have a a, of course a a smooth go of it and you know you know aside from the the religious implications there's also just that it is a more difficult path especially where we live Mm -hmm. and and you you don't want your kids to experience that that kind of heartbreak (laughs) Sarah, as you
0: describe your story, um, and and you talk about growing up in that evangelical world and how that molded your worldview at the time, Um, reflecting back on it now, uh, and this is really kind of a two-part question, reflecting back upon it now, were you surprised how much power that you had given over to that evangelical ideology that almost led you to... uh, To to kick your son out of your house. And after that reflection and the answer that you're about to tell us, how, I mean, we, you and I and Missy, we all live in the state of Oklahoma and Oklahoma is what it is. How do you help families now who are are being molded by that same theology, that same ideology, but whose child has now come out to them. So how, you know, how did you, upon your reflection about your own path, were you surprised about how much power you had given evangelical theology, and how has that reflection uh, affected your work today?
2: That's a two-part question. And the first part is I grew up with this idea that I was never— to question authority, never to talk about sex or money. And that's got into this great big mess. And I never question authority. I trust the message from those in authority within our place of worship. And I just took it all in. I just loved everything. And then as this became a reality... I realized that, or it's what seemed like, not only have I failed my son in not raising him up, uh, what's training up your child in the ways of the Lord, and when they get older they'll return to it, mm-hmm. uh, that I had failed him as a woman of faith, as well as, uh, you know, what, what would be, you know, suddenly my witness was gone, suddenly my testimony was less than. I wasn't asked to pray in the congregation. And how that, that has served me on this side of the story, so to speak, is that I must remember where I came from mm-hmm. and the power of your demographic, your, your where you're at. Um, if everybody looks like you and talks like you, then that's a problem. So it helps me to remember where I was. And there, there's a mom out there like me then who needs to hear from a mom like me now. Mm-hmm. And I needed to hear from someone who shared my faith. That it's okay to search this matter out. And when you do, you learn that being gay is a beautiful gift, uh, dynamic to our families, to our communities, and to the world around us. But it's a journey. But what I would have done to have listened to a podcast like this, or to have a mom like me go speak to a church congregation, or have the Pray Away film mm-hmm. showed, mm-hmm. that's the power of stories and being accountable to what you know now Mm. and wanting other people to save them from what we went through.
0: Wow, I love that. Well, we know that your personal story you know, most assuredly inspired this vision of free mom hugs. But I'm guessing there's more to the story than than uh, than being inspired by your experiences. So how did you, because it's so simple, but so profound. How did you come up with the concept of free mom hugs? And tell us a little bit about its mission.
2: I love our mission statement as it goes, free mom hugs. We empower the world to celebrate the LGBTQIA plus community through visibility, education, and conversation. Those three things is what changed my heart and my mind. And if you know about the story in 2014, see, I was still on the fence there. Mm-hmm. I was searching the matter out and just asking God, please help me to see my child and help me to understand what this means for our family, for our faith, and so we stood with Parker at the Oklahoma City Pride Parade in 2014. And again, I'm still kind of, I'm searching, before I went to the Pride Parade, I prayed to God. I said, God, I want to see you there. Mm-hmm. And I did. Mm-hmm. I saw him in people, in this beautiful expression of identity and this beautiful just love and affirmation people had for one another. There was no judgment. I knew standing on that corner of 39th and Penn, looking at the Goodwill store right across the street saying Goodwill, (laughs) and the rainbow, the sea of rainbow. And I'm reminded that God sent us a rainbow because it's a promise to everyone, Mm -hmm. to everyone. And I thought if God could look down from the heavens and see us now, that it's the rainbow, it's the press for everyone. And I left there that day, just moved. And then I started hearing, or meeting Parker's friends, and hearing their stories, and just the devastation that came from their church homes. The number one thing that I heard from the community in the very beginning is that as they had been alienated from their families, from their church homes, that they have left lost their sense of belonging Mm -hmm. and hearing stories like that and those who have survived conversion therapy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even in 2014 that is still legal sought out and paid for here in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. well Norman's outlawed it but it's on the fence now Mm -hmm. it very well could be overturned Mm -hmm. but all that to say I was hearing stories so much so, I got plugged into the community, helping with Oklahoma City Pride, helping with Second Chance Prom. And I remember, I'm sorry, I'm chasing rabbits here. No, you're fine. Go right ahead. Chase to. away. But I remember going to a meeting that I, it was PFLAG, and I thought it was for high schoolers, families like mine. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be for the transgender adult community Mm -hmm. i went because i knew the facilitators and i took the cookies and i didn't want to leave because i was curious i had never been in the same room with a transgender Mm -hmm. person that i know of Mm -hmm. so i stayed and i listened to their stories and at the end of that meeting I cried hot tears in my jeep because I thought, these are beautiful, misunderstood people. Mm -hmm. And what a difference could have been made in their lives if they just had the support and the health care that they needed. And it was around Valentine's Day. And from that experience, we started the very first transgender Valentine's banquet. And it's a time to honor the community and those that love and support them. It's free, always will be free. Mm -hmm. And we just try to make happy memories for the community and get them engaged with each other to build community. And it's been very successful. Yeah, Had a that. lot of backlash. Never yeah. the first most serious backlash, like slashing of tires and mm-hmm. carving on my car, came when I began to advocate for the transgender community.
1: Oh, wow, yeah. that's amazing. I did not know and about
2: that. Yeah, it's not a story. that I, I rarely will talk about the offenses I've been given due to the fact that hails in comparison to what the community faces every day.
1: I think it's so important to, to acknowledge as much as sometimes we want to say it's not the case, but to acknowledge the absolute importance of the faith based community being part of an affirming action. It's one thing to say, Oh, I have a, you know, a son or a daughter who's not um, heteronormative. So we're just going to leave this community. And people can do that. Mm-hmm. But the church needs to be a part of this conversation because it is the foundation of where so many people find love and acceptance and to have a place that says, no, we don't love and accept you is so detrimental to your being and to your psyche. And like you said, it's a matter of life and death. You know why that is, is, is up for debate, but it is. Um, And so for a child in this community to go to a place and say, you are loved by God and by me is so important.
2: Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a saying, and I wish I could remember who said it. Maybe it was Mr. Busey, but in the Pray film, he says, we have no greater weapon. There's no greater weapon that you can use against somebody as powerful as their own faith. Mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it just stayed with me. It's true. It's mm-hmm.
0: true. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, you've come a long ways from just offering free hugs uh, to, to anybody uh, who walked up to you and standing in uh, the 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 position of uh, mother or father of the bride for LGBTQ individuals who are entering marriage. Uh, there's lots of projects going on with Free mom hugs that we all celebrate mm-hmm. and love. So tell us a little bit about the documentary uh, future projects uh, that uh, free mom hugs are going to be engaging in because we want to be able to support your work any way we can.
2: Thank you. Uh, The documentary is called The Mama Bear Doc and it's making the circuit in the independent film uh, circuit and then it will be available on PBS and uh, um, something else I don't remember. Anyway, it's coming out where people will be able to see it on TV. And it's a five-year project that director Darisha Kai followed three families. One uh, is the Shapley's Kimberly Shapley is a mother of a transgender child, and they live in Texas, and they fought the bathroom bill. Mm-hmm. And then they follow a Tammy. Uh, Tammy is an African-American, lesbian woman, beautiful, and her mother, who is evangelical, conservative, and then our family, Parker and myself. And it took five years, thank you, covid but it's finally out and what I love about Derisha and the way that she presented our stories didn't necessarily throw faith under the bus. Right. You know, so many times I like to say that you know the church the place of worship where we were at I they just didn't know what to do with us mm-hmm. and because of that um, the way that we have been duped they really did do for our families what They really thought were the best Mm -hmm. as far as trying to correct me or correct my son or um, things like that. So, uh, But the Mama Bear documentary is based on moms who are making a difference for their children. And it's all connected to a private online Facebook group for mom with gay kids. Mm -hmm. I was the 250th mom to enter into that group in 2014. If I had found that group when Parker was going through this... I wouldn't have had to have written the book because it's a place of safety, resources, and support where you can pour out all your fears and your anxieties into the group and to other moms. And moms learn from other moms, and they have faith-based resources to help us better understand our children and to see them and to truly celebrate them as a gift from God. So it's about support and the power of that. I found my voice. I could change the conversation at the water cooler there. I found the resources that I needed to be educated on the subject of homosexuality. And then uh, I found the power to act on what I was accountable to, mm. laws that affect families like ours, what's happening in the community where I live. And so uh, all of those stems from support. We need each other. We learn from each other. And the documentary is is wonderful in the same way that the Pray Away film matters is that it shows people. I like to think of people who may not be involved in a place of worship. Mm -hmm. Most people have no idea what's happening with shame-based
0: ministries.
2: They have no idea that conversion therapy is even a thing.
0: Yeah. A lot of times churches are disguising conversion therapy yes. using other languages. And when we did the series of exposing conversion therapy within local churches and local uh, parachurch ministries, that was one of the things that kept reoccurring is that this is conversion therapy. They're just hiding behind other language yeah. uh, and claiming that it's not.
1: I keep seeing pictures on your socials with you and Jamie Lee Curtis. I was wondering <laughs> if you wanted to share with our listeners what that's all about.
2: I am trying not to milk that for all it's worth. <laughs> but, I mean, how can I not, right? All
0: right, not. right. We all love Jamie yeah. Lee. So, yeah, I'd milk that thing. <laughs> uh,
2: if your listeners are not aware, I self-published a book, How We Sleep at Night, a mother's memoir. It came out in 2014. Uh, Free Mom Hugs is not mentioned in that book because it wasn't even on my radar right, then. Right, right, So, the last chapter is inspired by standing at the Pride Festival with Parker, which we talked about earlier. Well, I began to get him. Uh, in plugged in and meeting couples who were getting married and I made that social media post that went viral saying, if your biological mom won't come to your same sex wedding, then you call me, I'll be there. And that post went viral. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what going viral meant. So I, I still don't know.
1: But, <laughs> a, um, has a different connotation it, in the land of COVID-19. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um,
2: but I got a private message from Jamie Lee Curtis on my Facebook page
0: wow. saying,
2: you know, this is trending, The story, and I would love to hear more about it. And would you call me? Here's my number. And I said, I'll call you right after I pray that I'm not getting catfished. <laughs> and so, so uh, I did. I prayed I wasn't getting catfished. And she sent me pictures of where she was mm-hmm. in wow. her home, like to prove to me that it was really her. Mm-hmm. And so I called her and we had a wonderful conversation and she heard about the book that I wrote. She read it. She loved it. And she acquired the rights to it. We have a script. We have a contract. And then COVID came and bumped everything mm-hmm. back. She plans her schedule a year in advance. Sure. Yeah. So it's been pushed back two years, uh, but we've renewed the contract. We still have a script and just, waiting for the time. Yeah. But I'm excited. We, Like I said, we still have a green light. We just got to time it out where it can be done. But trust me, no one is more ready for that thing to happen than well, it's me. It's
0: such a great <laughs> but, story. And it needs yeah, to be told. Interestingly, yeah.
2: If I, if I can share this, because okay. I don't get to very often, so please let me, is that in the making of the script and getting everything ready, she was ready and to go and film this, she had the film crew set, mm-hmm. everything set, packed and ready to go. And then they had to cancel the trip because of COVID. They right. could risk getting a hundred people team together and go and then risk being stuck sure. in Canada where they film. Mm-hmm. And so, but she asked me, she wanted pictures of what I dress like, what perfume I wear, what color hair color, I, what box I use. And, yeah. um, just very meticulous about playing me
1: that's amazing well if you need a church lady i make a great (sighs) Uh, i could totally see you as a very dear friend (laughs) that that you and me
2: we'd be the ones at funerals and uh we couldn't sit by each other because we would laugh. That's right. Exactly I'm the right. one. If you laugh. don't
1: have something nice to say, come sit by me. <laughs> I'm not <that> friend. So. <laughs> that.
2: I'm taking notes um, right now.
0: That's fantastic. I
2: told her, I said, come to Oklahoma. You could mm-hmm. stay in our home. I have a church of the open arms that looks just like the place of worship we sure. went to.
1: Absolutely. But she hasn't given into that, in to that yet. An I an amazing trying. thing. I, yeah. Wow. Congratulations yeah, to you. Congrats. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Well, she also...
2: Uh, I don't get to share this very often, but she also made a donation to Free Mom Hugs where I could quit my job.
1: That's
0: fantastic. And get paid. Good. Well, Sarah Cunningham, the founder of Free Mom Hugs. You can find out more information about this incredible organization at freemomhugs.org. But before we let you go, Sarah, we've got one question that we ask every one of our guests at Good Faith Weekly, and Missy has the honor of asking it. So, Missy, take it away.
1: Sarah, as you may know, our good, our tagline, excuse me, at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. In light of your work and our conversation today, what is your more to tell?
2: If I could leave you with two things, one, allow people to show you who they are, whether they're seven or 77, your family, friends, allow them to show you who they are. And the second thing is, If you see a need around you, you ask the Lord, you pray, Lord, is this my burden? And if you have what will help that need, what will help and lift up this need, then yes, it's your burden. But if you don't have what that need is, then you find people who have that. And together, that will make the world a better place, a safer, more kinder place for everyone. And we are accountable to those things even if it is to ourselves.
0: Oh, love that. Sarah Cunningham, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your advocacy. And thank you for the work of Free Mom Hugs. It has been a delight.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. It takes a village.
0: You've been listening to Good Faith Weekly, hosted by Mitch and Missy Randall. This weekly podcast from Good Faith Media discusses matters of faith and culture.
1: Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a like and a glowing review. We produce the podcast out of Norman, Oklahoma. Our music comes from Pond 5.
0: And we're supported by listeners like you. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org.